Harrison Price for Thursday, August 3rd, 2023. Coming to you from the Go Goat Sports Studio, built by Arbor Week here at the Iconic Wall Center. Downtown Vancouver. If you're visiting Vancouver, you have reason to stay by the airport. We suggest the Western Wall Center YVR plush heavenly beds for some rest and relaxation. Matt Sickers alongside Blake Price. Grace Ass hitting switches, conducting things in this show presentation of the Applewood Auto Group, where you can get into the 23 Cash Kai from 76 Weekly, the 23 Murano from 135 Weekly. Or the 23 kicks from $65 weekly because Blake Price. It is all good at Applewood. And I'm loving and If you head to that Applewood Performance Center, mm, you'll understand what we absolutely. mean. It's a fun place to we be. We got a tour of that place, and there are some really cool cars there, and I wanted to take home a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. But I'm in that Infinity QX6, and I absolutely love it. Okay, Bodog poll question. Will the Canucks ever get past Connor McDavid in the playoffs? Yes or no? You can vote at Sikerson Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Bodog, line of the day from me. Hockey specials tab on Bodog asking which team will Connor Bedard score his first NHL goal against? The Blackhawks open with Pittsburgh. So I'm going to say he scores in his first game. Opening, Opening night. night against the Pens for $100 pays $190. On your Bodog line of the day, a lot of a lot of rookies have had that that pleasure lately. It seems like a lot of high profile rookies have really jumped in with both feet in game number one. I've well, it. like it's storybook stuff. I, I I gotta say, and I'm sure some Canucks fans don't want to hear it, but I tuned into Austin Matthews' first game just because I wanted to see what the hype was about. Unlike yeah. a lot of first overalls we didn't I, I didn't feel like I knew Matthews as well as I would have known a CHL player remember he spent that year in in Switzerland and under Mark Crawford and so tuning in to watch him for his first game and he put up four goals on the Senators you remember that yeah yeah and really he hasn't stopped scoring since um uh, we've talked about before like the Blackhawks are suddenly a red circle game when they come to your town. Remember Bedard won that poll we ran a couple of weeks ago of which Canucks home game are you are you most interested in this year? And we put McDavid and the Oilers in the opener and we put the Bo Horvat return game and there were some other ones there as well, but Bedard and the Blackhawks won the poll. And I'm not surprised because he's a local kid with incredible skill and a knack for scoring. And, and, you know, that's what brings excitement, right? The guy who can mm-hmm. manufacture goals where others can't. So looking forward to seeing him play play this year in the NHL. As for McDavid, we're asking this poll question because major changes afoot with the Edmonton Oilers organization. The agent, or I guess we can call him now the former oh. agent of Connor McDavid, Jeff Jackson is taking over as the Oilers CEO. And to listen to the folks in Edmonton, this is a succession plan for Bob Nicholson and Ken Holland and Terry Jones, who has been scribbling and covering sports in that market for more than a half century. First thought, Connor McDavid will re-up with the Oilers McDavid has put out a statement talking about how he is excited for the future 
of the Oilers, David Pignota of the fourth period reports that Wasserman vice president, that's the agency, Judd Moldau, uh, Moldover will oversee his future contract talks. Adam Phillips will handle his business and endorsements. But it very much looks like a franchise that, let's face it, is not in an A market in the NHL with three years left on McDavid's contract is putting in steps to create a scenario whereby Connor McDavid resigns and is a light and he can resign uh what mm-hmm. two years down the road here two years from now uh yeah. to make him a lifelong Edmonton Oilers something they were not able to do with the great one Wayne Gretzky KG KG move by the Oilers here and it looks like in the early going the uh first blush reaction is it's worked that this is uh this is sort of uh, cemented Connor McDavid's feet into the ground in Edmonton and maybe made negotiations in a couple of years time, a little less nerve wracking for the Edmonton Oilers. Um, and maybe if you're Leon Dreisaitl too, who was maybe going to be a little bit scared at what if I re-sign long-term and Connor FOs, well, that's probably not going to happen anymore. So maybe this is also going to have the, the domino effect of, of giving Leon Dreisaitl some comfort in re-signing with the Oilers, knowing that the one-two punch will be there forevermore. Dreisaitl is, I don't want to say equally important, but that is another massive, massive file for the Oilers. Yeah. And he's, in, he's got one less year on his contract, so he next summer you can extend Leon Well, Dreisaitl. but not only that, Blake. He's got one less year, but he makes $4 million less than McDavid. He's an 8.5 player. That's one of the best contracts in the National Hockey League, given how good the player is. So you can absolutely see Leon Dreisaitl and his representatives as soon as next summer saying to the Edmonton Oilers, okay, you've had your sweetheart team-friendly deal. Now it's time for our guy to get paid. And I would suspect if he keeps things going the way he has played over the last few seasons and with the salary cap going up, I would suspect that Dreisaitl is going to make what McDavid makes now, if not more, at $12.5 million. That's my thought. And at twelve five, that actually feels probably about right. That might be a bit aggressive. Like I think you might be able to get Dreisaitl with an 11 in front rather yeah. than a 12. And then McDavid with a 13, I would guess. I mean, 14? I don't know what the, what the limit is And there. look, McDavid at that point may also say, look, 12.5 or 13 is fine. Let's keep some money here for... For uh, playmates. Yep, maybe. Uh, Theoretically, in a hard cap league, it should be easier to get past Connor McDavid than it was to get past Wayne Gretzky in the Smythe division all those years ago. You'll remember not many teams got through Wayne Gretzky and the Oilers in the Smythe division. Canucks did an 82, thanks to the LA Kings and Daryl Evans and the Miracle on Manchester. Calgary did it a couple times, but thanks to Steve Smith and his gaffe. So theoretically, it's possible. Canucks could well out goaltend Edmonton at some point down the road. But there is a riddled season. But there is a long way to go for this Vancouver Canucks hockey club and franchise. And to me, they are not yet well managed enough, nor have enough talent and forthcoming talent to see a pathway through the Edmonton Oilers in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So I voted. Evers just 
ever is too long. Um, it's it's going to happen eventually, somehow, some way. The planets will align, and this will come to pass. Whether it's via team depth, maybe maybe uh, McDavid and Drysaddle end up eating up too much money, and they don't get the team depth, and and they look like a like a Penguins team of of uh, of recent years here, um, and and the Canucks get put together properly and are a deeper team, and even if they don't have a players of Drysaddle and McDavid's ilk, maybe mm-hmm. they're just they're just better from tip to tail. So I think there's a bunch of different ways in which it can happen, and Ever's just too long a time. So I'm going yes. Okay. Bodog poll question from yesterday, who will be the worst team among the Canadian Seven next season? We had Montreal, Ottawa, Vancouver, and other. Who won the poll, Blake? Montreal. Indeed. Percentage? 38. 58. Oh, okay. It was very concentrated. Canucks finished second. They got one in every four votes, 24%. Other got 10%. So Calgary, Winnipeg combined and... Maybe there were some Toronto and Edmonton votes there as well. And Ottawa, just 6%. Boy, I should send that to my friends in the nation's capital to think only 6% voted the Senators several times over, voted the Canucks and Habs and Calgary and Winnipeg combined got more votes. Grant voted Habs, but think Winnipeg has a chance of completely falling off. Brett, don't count out Calgary. Vancouver will surprise their core of Hughes, Petey and Demko is as good as any of the other Canadian teams. Vancouver will be mediocre, says Mayowski. Montreal could be all right. I think Calgary has the possibility to completely fall apart. Cole, Vancouver has not done enough this summer so far to give me confidence. And then G-Man, Vancouver second in voting. Come on. Not every season will feature a major collapse resulting in a coaching change. This fan base needs some optimism. So, not everyone. Just uh, two out of every three, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot, though. I am surprised. I'm surprised by how many people voted Vancouver. Uh, really? On yeah. on YouTube here, so we have the five options available. Mm-hmm. Montreal, 42. Vancouver, 22. Calgary, 19. Winnipeg, 13. Ottawa, 4. Yeah. Okay. Here's the one thing that I think has been become crystallized for me since July 1st. And that's just under 1,000 votes. We look at that Vancouver roster, the 12 forwards, the six defense, and the two goaltenders, and go, wow, it's improved. Others look around and go, you're really playing Susie and Cole in the top four? Mm-hmm. Who's your, your third-line center is a guy who is the fifth center in Vegas? But like, those, people don't, those people don't understand that, that that's still better than what the Canucks have. Of course. Like they, of course. Yeah. Of course. And I think a lot of Canucks fans look at it and go, oh, this roster with a healthy Thatcher Demko and less drama in terms of the coaching and front office and the alignment they now have and equals yeah. playoffs. There's also the addition by subtraction, taking mm-hmm. OEL off the roster, scaling back Myers' minutes. You don't yep. have to rely on those guys who got caved in night after night Fair. in their own zone. But you were a long way from the playoffs and you still need bounce back seasons for, as we talked about, five, six different guys. You know, when you've got pretty much a third to a quarter uh, of of the guys you're going to dress who need to be better than last year and take steps forward and not necessarily at a tender age where you would expect them to improve. And you're that, also... Those are red flags. You're also, you know, hoping that Petey and Hughes continue to progress and have similar, if not better, right. years than last they, year. And they that's still not have a guarantee. to be superstars. That's right. not a guarantee. Absolutely. We all thought Demko was going to be this Vesna candidate last year. Now, injuries played a part, but... You know, he wasn't at the top of his game to start the year. 
moving on to Vancouver Whitecaps FC, where first things first, we'll announce our winner of the four-pack of tickets for tomorrow's big Leagues Cup tilt against Tigris. Congratulations to Corey Nightingale of Vancouver. You're off to see the match tomorrow. Yesterday was MLS trade deadline, transfer window, Blake. And holy cow, what a haul for Axel Schuster and the Caps. This is as good a deadline work as we've seen from a Vancouver sports executive. Maybe going back to Gillis, maybe going back to Pat Quinn. Yeah, I mean, those are the comparable ones. And I, I'll say this because we haven't seen them play as a white cap yet, so we don't know how this is going to turn out. I would argue, we know that the Quinn's moves paid off. I would argue at the moment, the look of them, if you if you compare the pedigree of the players brought in, this is probably bigger than Quinn's in terms of pedigree. Now, again, all those kind of hit in the perfect spots, and, and it was really good. Um, and we don't know how these will turn out. But in, just in terms of the quality of the player brought in and one day's worth of work, yeah, these are these are big, big deals. I mean, Richie Larray is going to end up being a designated player, you'd think. Uh, it looks like Sam Metacube will fall just below that. But we're talking about impactful, impactful players that will be amongst the better players at their positions league-wide. And the positions that Vancouver needed, particularly after the loss of Julian Gressel. Two Canadians repatriating out of Kube, which is righting a wrong for a lot of Caps supporters to watch the way he flourished after he left the Caps system all the way to the national team. I'm also looking forward to Sam's mom's videos from Calgary there. Because she was quite a hit in December at the World Cup. And then these four young players headlined Blake by a 19-year-old center back from Gambia by the name of Dembo Saida Khan from Steve Biko FC, who had interest from Rangers of the Scottish League, Southampton in England, Toulouse in France, and yet chose the Whitecaps. And we talked to Axel Schuster later in the program where he thinks this is significant, that a player of this sort of ilk who had those sorts of options has chosen to come all this way, halfway across the world, to continue his career and take the next step. And he details why he thinks that player made that that decision as well. But uh, yeah, some intriguing young talent brought in as well. None of those players are likely to see any action this year or limited if they do. Um, But... You know, as as soon as as next year, you know, like twenty year old players in MLS play, right? So they're not too far away from from being on the first. And, team. and look, none of these players are going to play tomorrow against Tigris. But for a Caps team, even if they were to lose to Tigris tomorrow and be out of League's Cup, this is a Caps team that's right in the thick of it in the MLS West needed players to take the next step. We had asked earlier in the year, okay, Kerfoot, Mallet. Are you going to allow this club and your sporting people to go on out and spend the money and get players so hopefully this club takes the next step and we can talk about them not just as a playoff side, but as a contender in the MLS West? And they've done that. So hats off to everybody with Whitecaps FC for this series of moves. It signals to your fans that you are serious about winning and serious about winning right now in the present, and I think that's meaningful because, frankly, that's not something we have seen a lot of over the 12 years of Whitecaps FC in MLS. Well done. 
And now you're playing with house money because even if the Whitecaps won, I, I'll, I'll, my hot take will be that I don't think that Sam Adekube or Richie Larea play even in the next game um, because they're, they're going to come pretty fast and furious now in League's Cup. That um, You don't get weeks, uh, a, a full week between games here. It's going to be four or five days at most. So I would bet that they wouldn't even be able to get in into training enough to play in the next one. So either they win and they continue to have fun and, and move forward in this tournament, um, and that's great in its own right. But if they lose, um, they get to get down to it with these two new players and train and get a little mini training camp because it'll be, uh, what is it, 17 days, 16 days um, between Tigris and the the next MLS regular season match as well. So they, they can really immerse these two new players into the system in time for August the 20th. Yes, a long way off in 17 days. I'll help you with the math. Well, from today. Yeah, no, I, would, I was going I from between oh, okay. the matches. 16 days yeah. after tomorrow. Yeah. Just don't want Grady to put you on his nose here. No, no. BC Lions in Winnipeg to face the Bombers, a 5.30 kickoff. Looking for a second win in Winnipeg this year. We talked about the roster yesterday. Dominic Rimes is back. They're missing banks at defensive tackle. I think a lot of football people today, though, prior to kickoff in Winnipeg, where the Lions can put even more distance between themselves and the Bombers for first place in the West, uh, will be fixated on the goings-on at Simon Fraser University, where Teresa Hansen is no longer the school's director of athletics and recreation. She had held that post since 2015. Of course, she was front and center in the decision to cancel the school's football program back in the spring. I see our friend Farhan Lalji tweet, hopefully SFU, and he's an alum, doesn't make the mistake of delaying the decision on the program until a new AD is hired. I could very much see that, Blake. That is a scapegoat's route out of this. Yeah. And that tends to be how university politics and bureaucracy operates. The job is very different with or without football, and it changes the qualifications required of who is hired. The new AD should not be part of this decision. I can tell you, Blake, that I already know of someone who has been contacted about their interest in being the Simon Fraser AD. And their first question was, well, if I get in a meeting with the board, I'm asking them straight up before any pleasantries are exchanged, do you want to play football or do you not want to play football? That is the big seminal question around this university now. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Because, look, I do think the reason why they canceled the program and didn't make any kind of effort to join the Canada West or stick it out for one more year was because they wanted to save the money. Football's a very expensive program to put on. They wanted to save the money this year. Now, by this stage of the game, they should know how many donations and how many donors they have alienated because of this decision. So there should be, they should be able to do the math at this stage of the game. Okay, we're going to save this much by not playing football this year, but so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so has said they we can no longer count on their annual donation because they're football people or they disagree with the decision, whatever the case may be. And look no further than UBC, 
in terms of how valuable some of these donors could be. I think of David Sadu before he ran into his legal troubles, instrumental in bringing Blake Nill, one of the great coaches in Canadian University football, to UBC. Also brought in, of course, the terrific young Canadian quarterback from Penn State and wound up Michael O'Connell and wound up winning a Vanier Cup championship. So how many donors are now on the outs with SFU? How many could be brought back if you get an IAD favorable to football? Blake, I'm told the football people are already sort of elbowing in there and trying to get a person who would bring the football program back if, in fact, that is something uh, that the board is amenable to. And then the other thing that we should talk about here, on top of Farhan's, you know, um, tweet about delaying the decision, which I absolutely could see, if you do bring in a new AD, of course, they would have the luxury of being able to say, ah, before my time, wasn't my decision. I'm so sorry, blah, 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 but we've got to move forward. So you wonder how much politics is involved here with Teresa Hansel leaving and with whomever is coming next at SFU. Yeah, and it just gets uh, released on the same day that they, uh, I don't know, did they try to bury it with this NCAA tournament announcement as well? Uh, an NCAA Blake. tournament coming into Langley Event Center on, on the same day both things are released. And Blake, if you were bringing Kentucky or Kansas or Gonzaga to yes, the Langley yes. Event Center, that but I'm not sure Hawaii Hilo is, is capable of burying anything. No, well, but no, what, successful or not, was this still an attempt to bury it? It may have been. It's not you know? even Hawaii, the, rain, the, the Warriors. No. That's Hawaii Hilo. That's uh, Steve Hansen, by the way, the men's head coach uh, of uh, SFU, mm -hmm. uh, getting excited about it. They do have a, an Elite Eight women's side coming. Yes. Tyler, uh, but uh, yes. but uh, yeah, on the men's side, not Seattle Pacific uh, yeah, is no, no. produced over the years. but uh, Not really. Yeah, not uh, not top line no, talent. Absolutely, the November tournament that uh, absolutely might be not. Vancouver Canadians win again, eight nothing in Hillsborough. Infielder Michael Turconi hits for the cycle, his first ever. He's on a fifteen game hitting streak. He's reached base safely in twenty nine straight. Adam Mako, the Slovak Canadian via Ireland, with five scoreless. He's been he's done well here of late, which is good because. Tough opening to the year for him. He's a top 10 Blue Jays prospect. And then I will continue to go down the I-5 here, Blake. Softy Mahler. Mariners are three out of the playoffs. Tell me again now how they're not good enough to justify making a move. And then Larry Stone adds, the Mariners have a stretch coming up where they play the Royals in two series. The White Sox, who sold everybody. The A's and the Mets who sold Verlander, Scherzer, and their closer. 16 out of 19 games in August and into early September. All those teams are under 500, some well under 500. Blake, if this M's team makes a run in the next two months, I'm not sure Jerry DePoto can come back next year as your head of baseball. That he We've quit this on this clubhouse, though. that he quit on this clubhouse when you had fans and media saying, our staff is good enough, let's let's go for it, especially your playoff team last year. I'm just not sure. I think that's breaking the covenant 
with your fan base, and I can't see him coming back next year if the M's get close at the end of September. Wasn't there an NHL team last year that like jettisoned a bunch of players and still made a run towards the playoffs? Like it just does happen in sports where the executive gives up on a team and the team doesn't give up on itself and they remain yeah. competitive despite the fact that the executive might have been hoping for a bit of a tank. And I don't think that's what Seattle was thinking. I think they were just trying to get a haul for useful players. But um you know, they could have just stayed put stand, yeah. and 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 probably been a much better team. Into the stretch run. I, I, look, it's a, it was a flawed team, or at least a flawed lineup. And, of course, that's on DePoto. And I do think he wanted to change that. Of course, as I said earlier in the week, I think he wanted to change that without having to admit the mistake of the winter when he needed more than Teoscar Hernandez. And I've just seen very few examples of a manager giving up on a team so preemptively, particularly when they were a playoff team that won a series last year, particularly when they have the ingredient that matters most in the playoffs, and that's starting pitching. So it, it continues to be a big story down the I-5, and I think it will be until the end of this baseball season. Let's get to today's menu brought to you by De Dutch, to breakfast, to brunch, to lunch, get it all at De Dutch. No welcome at today. We've got a very big show. We've got uh, a couple of guests here, Rob Williams, Rob, the hockey guy. And boy, do we tackle a lot of topics here, including Connor McDavid and the Oilers and the pathway to get through him for the Canucks. Ethan Bear and some recent comments from Patrick Alvin about their continued e- interest in Ethan Bear. And then the Caps and the Lions raising the bar here, doing all this winning, putting more pressure on the Vancouver Canucks and the Toronto Raptors are returning for a game in Vancouver for the first time in five years. Looking forward to that as the Canadian men's national team centralizes in advance of the FIBA World Cup. We'll get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter. Also joined today by Axel Schuster, CEO, Sporting Director of Whitecaps FC. He takes us through all these additions. And we should mention, Monday, BC Day, statutory holiday. You've become accustomed for us doing, with us doing New programming that we release on statutory holidays for the last few months. It's been a series on Vancouver media legends, and we're absolutely delighted to announce that this Monday, BC Day, a couple of legends, capital L, Jim Robson, the original voice of the Vancouver Canucks, and Squire Barnes, who has been reporting sports and bringing you the highlights for a mere 30 plus years in this market. stories are told folks i mean it, it is a bit of it, it's a bit of a longer holiday episode than we have traditionally put out but the yarns that are woven here by both of these guests it's a it's a lot of fun no matter what you're buying folks when you're out in the world looking for this that and the other i think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting you can feel good about supporting the applewood auto group uh, they've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing, Neighborhood Brewing, Workshop Spirits, and very excited to announce the release of Yellow Dog's very first mix pack, Box of Tricks. Choose between the classic Play Dead IPA the award-winning Rough West Coast IPA, and two brand-new beers. 
Growl Extra Pale Ale and Tug of War New Zealand IPA hitting the shelves on Tuesday, November 7th. And at the end of a busy workday, treat yourself to a Yellow Dog neighborhood or workshop spirit. Here, some price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Let's get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter or X. Or perhaps I should say, let's get to some posts, the best and worst of X. Go on Twitter. I'm, 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 I'm kicking it old school. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not okay. a bot. I'm going to an old school uh, hip hop show tonight, so there I like know. it. Lead us off. Um, at. 945 WPTI, seven-time Super Bowl champion Tom Brady announced he's purchased an ownership stake in another professional sports team. Um, he's uh, now knee-deep in sports ownership is Tom Brady. Five mm-hmm. ownership stakes this year alone for Tom Brady. So the GOAT is trying to be the GOAT in several other sports now. Um he, who are they? Well, he, who does he own a piece of? The, the Birmingham Raiders? City, Birmingham, Birmingham City now. Uh, the Raiders, the Aces mm-hmm. of the WNBA, right. a, a 2024 E1 World Championship expansion team, and uh, a Major League Pickleball expansion team as oh well. So they they they, <laughs> they slough off a little bit after the first few. Um, yeah. But I think electric well, really oh, electric after racing. the Raiders, yeah, after the Raiders won a. You know, one of those things is not like the others. No, true ahead. enough. Yes, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's uh, he's got varied interests, and he wants to show he's good mm. at uh, more than just throwing a pigskin around. Yeah, you think Brady will ever want to coach? Nope. Yeah, I, I, wonder. I wonder. Ownership, maybe executive, maybe, mm-hmm. but not on the sidelines. I can't see that. I can't see. It. I I just the competitive gland is not yeah. As stoked as much in boardrooms and in you know luxury suites, I, I just do wonder whether there comes a day where everyone's back in the action. And uh, is it not his birthday today? I thought it was his birthday mm, today. Might be. Yes. Well. Yeah. Yes. At Oren Weisfeld covering the Canadian national basketball team, Team Canada, and following up on our story yesterday about Jamal Murray, Team Canada head coach Jordy Fernandez said the plan is for Jamal Murray to be available for all five exhibition games. Probably won't play in all five games. Also said they are in touch with the Denver Nuggets regarding his health, but sounds optimistic. Just a few things reading between the lines here. That they are in touch with the Denver Nuggets is typically kind of chilling. We have seen this before where the team centralizes and Toronto puts on a good face, good show. And then some guys just don't get on the plane, right? For wherever they're going for pre-tournament games and and international games. Yeah. So you worry about that. It is somewhat mitigated, I would sure hope, by virtue of the fact that Denver Nuggets head coach Mike Malone is a former assistant to Leo Routens on the Canadian national team. Of course, his father, Brendan Malone, was the original coach of the Toronto Raptors. So there's a lot of Canada basketball in the DNA of the head coach of the Nuggets, if it's at that level. It could be at the general manager level. It could be all the way up to the ownership level. So who knows? 18 players are right now in camp. They're taking 15 to Germany for pre-tournament games, and then we'll be cutting three more there to get down to 12 for the August 25th roster deadline 
for the FIBA World Cup and group play in Jakarta, where they face France and Latvia, amongst others. So three players getting cut here. Look, Kelly Olenek of Kamloops has nothing to worry about. You wonder about the Scrub Brothers from Richmond. You know, are they going to make it to Germany? And mm-hmm. are they going to be a part of the 12, particularly with all this NBA talent uh, in the midst? Because as many have said, this is the best roster a Canadian basketball side has ever produced. And you are overflowing here with NBA players. So, you know, whether or not you get whether or not you keep guys who are below the NBA may well have to do with whether or not all these NBA guys do want to stick it out through all the pre-tournament games in the World Cup. We shall yeah. see. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. And I wish, somebody's getting, the, the scrubs uh, are going to be in, in tough. Oh, sure. they're going to be very tough. Yeah. And, and I don't mean to be skeptical here, but the history forces us to be a little skeptical here. I know they've gone to lengths to say, oh, it's changed. This is the summer core. These guys are committed. But there is so much money uh, in the NBA these days. There are so many people who are able to kibosh this. And, you know, the players themselves sometimes mm-hmm. are put in the spot where they have to sort of look in the mirror and go, is my dedication to the national team or is it to, you know, the guys that I'm going to play 82 with and try and, uh, and of course, beyond, hopefully beyond it. in the NBA playoffs. Yeah, and, and, you know, the catastrophic injuries, it feels like are on the rise just a little, not catastrophic injuries, but major injuries are, are on the rise a little bit because they're just pushing their bodies to the limit. I could understand the reticence. Well, load management is a thing, yeah. right? This is the sport of load management, yeah. so we, we shall see. At Joe Pompliano, this was a beautiful chip from Robert Taylor, Taylor to Lionel Messi for the goal. Taylor now has three goals and three assists in the three games since Messi's arrival, and he has gained 100,000 followers on Instagram. Messi is going to get this man paid. We wondered about the corollary sort of uh, consequences of Lionel Messi arriving in Major League Soccer. Mm-hmm. Robert Taylor had two goals and four assists in 19 matches prior to Messi's arrival. He has three goals and three assists yeah. in the last three matches since right. Messi's arrival. Yes, Robert Taylor's life. Has changed. <laughs> I will give this to Robert Taylor. When I first saw the goal yesterday, I was under the mistaken impression that it was Messi with the service and Taylor finish it off, finishing it off. Because as good as the goal is, the cross here is world class. So well done, Robert Taylor. You and I were talking that one of the things that differentiates MLS from the top European clubs and leagues is the play at center back, the play at the back line. MLS teams haven't really invested as at a designated player level to get those defenders at the back. You do. I mean, you play in the premiership and some other leagues, you're facing pretty much world-class fullbacks, you know, everywhere you go. So I suspect Messi is going to really feast on these MLS fullbacks and backlines, should he not, Blake? I mean, it has traditionally been a weak spot, I think, in the league, but it is changing, though. And and actually, you know what? And we, we saw this a little bit with the signing of uh, signings uh, of the young players from um, the Whitecaps. Is um, MLS seems to be um, turning its attention to Africa for center backs, and 
Um, the cap sign a Ghanaian uh, center back uh, before the deadline here this year. And I think what we're seeing here, and we've seen it uh, from a lot of the Southern American teams too, bringing in African players as well, that might be the key to beefing up the the center backs uh, around Major League Soccer. Um, so yeah, you're right. In the, in the next couple of years with Messi in Major League Soccer, he could feast. But I also just think he's still really good. <laughs> You know, and, yeah, and, no, no. And, uh, He's going to feast on a lot of fullbacks. Don't, yeah. don't get me wrong. I just think perhaps a little more so here. Well, the other thing to consider is that teams have been using rotation, and Vanny has even admitted that even in a do-or-die game, there might be a few rotational players in the match versus Tigris as well. Um, you know, they, they've been playing the stars, and, you know, Messi is an example of that. But, you know, I think their coaches are holding back a little bit on their arsenal for the MLS season. Um, we'll see. I, and I think Messi's going to have success. I'm not saying he won't, but the, I don't think Messi's clip of, you know, 1.8 goals per game is going to hold necessarily through the MLS regular season, particularly that when they drop into the MLS regular season again, it's go time. It's the final third. Everybody's throwing everything they can, um, at the, at the, uh, at the matches, so I'll, I'll see. I, I mean, this is a tournament. It's a little bit more, a little bit of fun. It's a little bit more open, I think. Um, yeah, but it's going to be interesting to see what Messi does when the regular season holds. At Sports Horn, Vancouverite John Horn covering the wide world of tennis. Tough go for the Davis Cup champion Canadian squad so far in 2023. Oshie Alassim injuries and won just 13 of 25 matches. He's a 500 player this year. Mm. Shapovalov knee injury has won just 13 of 26 matches and. He's already withdrawn, if I'm not mistaken, from the uh, NBO Open in are they in Toronto or Montreal, the men. Uh, anyways, the Canadian Open. And Pospisil, injuries, health trouble, has played just one tour-level match. It's also a tough summer tennis-wise here in Vancouver with no Audlem Brown Open as Hollyburn undergoes a renovation. In fact, uh, unless I've missed something, no, no Audlem Brown next year either. So um, this golden generation of Canadian tennis uh, stars, at least on the men's side, it has been a difficult go in 2023. Are you out? I am. Okay. Well, one more from me, and this was everywhere yesterday, so please indulge us for a second. So, you know, our Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has separated from his wife, Sophie Gregoire, at Body for Wife, James Fell. Justin Trudeau is suddenly single. So to all those guys with the fuck Trudeau flags on your pickups... This is your chance. (laughs) And that's hashtags for today. So here's some price from Wall Center and a presentation of Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Kia wants to bring you into the electric generation you probably thought oh it'll be years before they become affordable nope that year is 2023 at applewood kia with the nero ev starts at 44.9 pops up with a fully loaded edition at 52.9 and you can get it all for 6.49 percent for up to 84 months the electric revolution you're a part of it folks join applewood kia it's all good at applewood <laughs> bodog poll question Will the Canucks ever get past Connor McDavid in the playoffs? Yes or no? You can vote at Secure Some Price on Twitter. Bodog your source for casino games, poker strategy, sports odds. Alouette's missing their top receiver. Hamilton coming off a win. Tabby's at home, and I'm getting plus three on Friday Night Football tonight and your Bodog line of the day.
Joined now by the national sports editor of the Daily Hive and their offside sports vertical, it's Rob the Hockey Guy. Rob Williams back here with Sikharson Price. Rob, how are you? Doing great, fellas. How are you? Good. Yeah. Fantastic. I know you'll turn to Rob the basketball guy here in a couple of weeks <laughs> after being Rob the soccer guy for the last couple of weeks. But we're going to start with the Vancouver Canucks, or at least hockey. And one province to the east, Connor McDavid's agent, Jeff Jackson, is now in charge of the Edmonton Oilers. Many there believe that means that McDavid is going to resign there in a few years when his contract is up. I mean, lots could happen between now and then. But assuming he's a lifetime oiler, Rob, are the Canucks ever going to get through him in the playoffs? Sure, sure, maybe. <laughs> Boy, that you know what? <laughs> that has a lot more to do with the Vancouver Canucks than it does Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, uh, teams Good got answer. by Wayne Gretzky and the you know the Flames got got by yeah. the, the you know the, yep. the Wayne Gretzky Oilers in the eighties. Um, so I think that. Thanks to Steve Smith, the yeah. uh, the Kings did with a <laughs> comeback for the ages, and uh, well, that's about it. Exactly right. So no, I, I think I I don't think the Oilers will be unbeatable, particularly in a salary cap world where you only have so much money to spend, and McDavid's next contract's not going to be cheap. Same with Leon Dreisaitl. I think I don't think they'll be unbeatable. Uh, I'm just I'm more concerned about the other side of it. Is you know can the Canucks put together a team? Uh, that can, you know, make it to a Western Conference final. Um, maybe, right? I mean, they have to make the right moves. I think they've, you know, I think at least under this management team, like I, I was looking at a, um, I, I wrote a piece this week looking at the 11 free agent mistakes the Canucks have made in, in you know, the, 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 the biggest free agent and most costly free agent mistakes they've made in their history. And it was basically like uh, Jim Benning's greatest hits. <laughs> right, like it was filled with Benning with Benning signings. At least under this management group, at least they seem to be steering away from that a little bit. They're not making as as many egregious mistakes in that regard, and they they seem to be adding some pieces. But of course, there's you know there's there's still a long long way to go. It's an interesting uh, approach by the Oilers, though. Um, I mean, it, that that has to speak to some insecurity they had about Connor McDavid yep. leaving, huh? That, that that they would bring in their agent. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't you be insecure if you're Edmonton? <laughs> like, you know, like I mean, remember like Roberto Luongo when he had like one year remaining when he first came to Vancouver and he signed that. You know, before oh, yeah. he signed that big contract that turned out to be, you know, the the contract that the contract that sucks right but before he signed that you know remember people in Vancouver were freaking out that he wasn't gonna re-sign with the Canucks and -hmm. I can only imagine what what it's like in Edmonton because you know like if if they lose McDavid like it all crumbles right and there's always talk about people not wanting to to play in Edmonton so if the you know the greatest player on the planet I mean he can choose his destination you know, I guess it depends on his mental makeup, and you know, is is he happy in Edmonton? Is 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 that the place for him? Uh, you know, I guess we have no reason to believe otherwise at the moment. But I think it's probably going to depend a lot on you know, are they able to uh, ice a contender? Do you do you think Drysaddle stays? Because you know they're back up the Brinks truck for for McDavid, but do they have money left over to pay Drysaddle what he needs? I mean, it depends what the the salary cap looks like in a few years, and I think it will look a little bit different. And yeah, I think I think they, if you're Edmonton, you pay McDavid and Drysaddle whatever they want, 
and you figure out the rest after that. Agreed. Uh, they got the Nuge on a very uh, team-friendly deal, 5.125, or at least it will. it is now. It is a long, long-term deal, so it may not age well. So Hyman's on a $5.5 million deal. Andrew Kane's on the same deal as Nuge and Hopkins. Dry settled two more years at 8.5. McDavid, three more years at 12.5. Did you hear that answer, Grady? It has more to do with the Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> Teams got by Wayne Gretzky. That's why he's robbed the hockey guy and why he's here every Thursday with Sakarison Price. And what do the Canucks have that the Oilers don't? Goaltending. Yeah. Or at least more established. We can see what Skinner will become, but... Yeah. yeah five, well, they, five, six they, good they games from Thatcher Demko could be all the antidote you need for it. Yeah. Exactly. Um, uh, and the Oilers are plowing two point or 7.6 million into goaltending for the next three years with Campbell and Stewart, both on deals with three years. Campbell's got four years left. Stewart Skinner's got three, so... Oilers goaltending and how they're investing in that position. Something to watch going forward, not to mention the nine and the quarter for Darnell Nurse, which runs through the entirety of the decade. Rob, saw you wrote about Ethan Bear and his nuptials over the weekend, and uh, the province has written about him where he says, look, uh, I'd love to be back, but Alvin's told me he's got a clear cap space, and I suppose if that if that's the answer to Ethan Bear, that's probably the answer for a lot of other players on the Canucks wish list. Yeah, I think that's a... You know, it's an interesting comment because you think about Patrick Alvin strikes me as, you know, in his time here is so cagey, right? Like, you know, think back to like his his comments on buyouts and he was sort of like, you know, and then he ends up buying out OEL and it was sort of like, okay, you kind of look at, you look back at the quote and start picking it apart and go, okay, um, and I think he's he's you know the, certainly the cagiest uh, GM we've had since uh, since Mike Gillis in in Vancouver. Uh, so I think okay yeah they want him back but they have to clear cap space. I mean that's like that's a major major stumbling block. And I also wouldn't put it past Alvin that okay we want you back but we have to clear cap space. But if we clear cap space we might want someone else instead. So I don't think it's a matter of just that. The, the part that's interesting for me, though, is that don't you get the sense that Ethan Bear really wants to play in Vancouver and that this is really kind of a, a destination he would prefer? That's the interesting part for me where I think they might have the potential to get him on a real uh, hometown discount, you know, particularly if there's not yeah. much interest around the league. I don't think he's going to, you know, give up, uh, you know, more than a million dollars or something like that to, to come to Vancouver. But I do think that they could get... A one-year 1. 1.5 or something like that? Totally, I think mean, that's totally within the realm of yeah. possibility. And and is that yeah. 1.5 is, you know, you know, is that, uh, you know, is that prorated based on, you know, missing two months of the season? Um, yeah, I, I think I think there's a world where, where we could see Ethan Bear back in Vancouver. Um, but I, I think it's going to take some time. And I, I think that... We could see, you know, if he remains unsigned. I mean, of course, he's got time. He can wait this out until December. It, you know, once teams start having injuries on the back end, all of a sudden cap space opens up and maybe there's a spot for, for Ethan Bear um, to return. Speaking of good signings, um, the Whitecaps making a ton of news here in the last 24 hours. Uh, they're in a good playoff spot already. Um, the Lions are in a great playoff spot right now in a, a massive game tonight that could even solidify their season further. Um, you know, those two teams are doing everything right right now. 
but are they the same fan base as the Vancouver Canucks? Do you think it has any correlation to Canuck expectations? And and the, you know what's the the interaction uh, of of these two seasons, these two good seasons so far for these two clubs versus what the Vancouver Canucks are about to embark on? Yeah, I think they're all, all three. I think are in very different situations in terms of where they are in the market. I mean, the the Canucks are always king in, in Vancouver, so they're they're always going to have the attention on them. Uh, and I think people are like just desperately want them to <laughs> have meaningful games in December, I guess, <laughs> right? Uh, so I think there's there's always the attention on the Canucks. They're in a world by themselves. The the Whitecaps and Lions. I always it's 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 so interesting how those two those two franchises have um, you know operated in this market since the Whitecaps entered MLS in 2011. I think the Whitecaps had a long honeymoon where. It, they they were they were good, average, average to good, but yeah, they but people just mm-hmm. love the atmosphere. They love coming to games and the scandals and the and the team uh, falling apart um, really hurt the brand. I think, and they've had to build it up, and they, and it's a slow build coming back right now. Um, you know, to to get them back to where they were within the market. I think, and I think. The, the two signings, I agree. I, I love, you know, not just two guys from the Canadian national team, but like two like fairly important players on the Canadian national team. This isn't Lucas Cavallini sitting on the bench, right? Like this is two players that, that you know, played big roles in them getting to the World Cup. Also, you know, two, I, I don't know. I don't know if they're like character guys, but like guys with like like personalities, mm-hmm. right? Like Richie Larea. Richie's Richie's prickly. You know, oh, yeah. I mean he was like he was yeah. you know during qualifying like he rode the line between like getting getting ejected, getting a red card like often. Like he was the guy right in the mix every time they were playing uh these Central American teams and, and they were like you know pushing and shoving. He was always in the center of things. Uh so I think that's great. Uh, Sam Atacube, of course, uh, they, they need to like set up like a, a pile of snow, maybe at BC place to give him like, give him like the, give him the, <laughs> give him the Atacube, uh, uh, Canadian celly, let him, let him do it. Sam's Hill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's like the Alex, he's like the Alex Burroughs of the Canadian. Yeah, we got, we got team. Willie's corner. We can, we can add, uh, Sam's Hill on the other, on the other side, maybe. Mm. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think that, you know, so often when there's signings in MLS, you know, you, you start like googling the guy to figure out like what league was he playing in and you know is he any good exactly and it's so hard it's so hard to know where it's uh these are two players that i think we can be genuinely excited about uh the white caps adding and and they're actually um you know players that we've that we've heard of and have seen play with our own eyes in terms of the lions i think they've gone you know the lions were in a place before where I would say it was it was really interesting. Like the casual fan wasn't just apathetic to them; like actively disliked them. I, it was sort of my feel on the on what the Lions were, uh, you know, in most of the last ten years, where it was just people just did not care. And Amar Doman has completely flipped the script, and he has made the Lions into something that I think the casual fan now is like. You ask them about the, you know, I think if you stop people on the street and ask them about the BC Lions and what do you know about them, they'd say oh, they got that great new owner who's who's doing all these good things and L, and they probably tell you LL Cool J and and they're not saying oh nobody cares nobody goes to the games 
And that's what they used to be saying. And, you know, attendance for the Lions is on the rise. And more than that, just the feeling of the market, like people, people like the Lions again, right? Like if they don't, even if they don't watch many of the games, even if they don't really couldn't tell you many of the players, there's a, there's, the feeling has just changed around the Lions. And Amar Doman has everything to do with that. It's combined with the, the, the team, you know, doing their part as well and, and winning games on the field and putting an entertaining product on the field. So I, I think that's that's sort of my feel on 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 how those those franchises have gone. I have a bone to pick with Williams here in a second, <laughs> but first, full disclosure, and I hope I'm not speaking out of school, Rob. But when we first started this arrangement with the content share, secure some price, Rob being on the show, and and Rob taking some of our editorials to the Daily Hive and offside, he said to me, Matt. I hate to break it to you, but if you're right about the Lions, we're probably not going to pick it up because it just doesn't resonate with our audience. And I want to say two weeks ago, I did it at Welcome That on Amar Doman. And guess who picked it up? <laughs> Rob Williams. And Traction. It's totally yes. changed. Honestly, like it used to be, it used to be the case where like I grew up a Lions fan. Like, I, I like the Lions. I like the Whitecaps. I, you know, I like the Canucks. Well, I don't like loving, <laughs> hate and love the Canucks. You know, like, like, it's almost like I used to look, like the Canucks, you know, but like, look the you know I, it, it's good for, it's good for I know people always say like people in the media are so negative and we just want to like pick the teams apart. I mean it's it, it it kills the media in this market with having all the teams be so terrible. I mean, it, what's good for the media in Vancouver is if all of Vancouver's teams win a lot. Like that's the best thing. That's the best thing for us, right? Like that's good for business. So, yeah, I mean, the Lions, I used to, I used to try covering the Lions uh, probably more than I do now. And, and, and it, it was a tough sell. And, and, it's, and that, that's changing quite a bit now. So, like, I, I think that's, I, I used to say, like, you know, if you knew nothing about the Lions or Whitecaps, like, people just sort of liked the Whitecaps but didn't like the Lions, even if they never really watched either. And that's totally changing now. And, and like I say, Amar Doman is... The, the the feeling around the lines is just totally different from what it used to be. Okay, so here's the bone to pick. Did you say meaningful games in December <laughs> for the Canucks? Yeah, we've, we've lowered the bar now. <laughs> like, yeah. honestly, Rob, you're lowering the bar. Like, first of all, December's the easiest month to sell of them all because you get all the Christmas presents and Hanukkah gifts and people are going just as a family And everybody's experience. home from exactly, exactly. And, and like, yeah. It's March, Rob. We absolutely need the last full month of the NHL season to be meaningful. There you go, artificially <laughs> lowering the bar for uh, Guys, I, that just shows like what where they've been the last the last few years. It's, unbe- it's been unbelievable. I mean, just to, to have the season just fall apart immediately, like at least... At least the Willie Desjardins years, they like they had like a, a 500 record into like November, right? Like it's like they at least pretend mm-hmm. for a little bit. Like I all I want, all it's I want. November. They I, had six mediocre weeks pre- there. I just need them Willie to pretend for a little bit longer than than usual at the very right. least. Hey, bef- good good call. Good phrase. before you go. Uh, big uh, day for hoops fans as well. They learn of an NCAA tournament. They learn of uh, Raptors game uh, coming as well. Um, the Raptors resonate right now. Do you, like, will people be excited about that? I mean, the, the basketball community is there. Do you think people care? Absolutely. Uh, you know, th- yeah. this used to be like a, it used to be a near annual visit from the Raptors. And I remember when they visited, when they started visiting, I think they came three out of four years, um, you know, starting around 2015 and around that time, I wasn't paying much attention to the Raptors 
And I remember seeing the scenes at Rogers Arena and like there were, it wasn't just people coming out to support NBA, like there were Raptors fans coming out to cheer on the Raptors. And the championship in 2019, I think, has only served to, to strengthen that. Uh, I was there the last time uh, they visited in 2018 when Kawhi Leonard first joined. The atmosphere was fantastic at, at Rogers Arena. And, and like, there's legitimate Raptors fans. And that's before they won the championship. So I think the team's not yeah. as strong as they used to be. So it's, it's gone down a little bit in that regard. Like it, This would have been a real buzz if, if they had come right after winning the championship. But I think that those fans are still there and there will be a buzz for this game. You know, it's funny because uh, my friends, uh, I have many friends in the restaurant business and, and people like Jim Romer and Kelly Gordon of Romers and Chuck and Cameron over at the Pemberton Station told me that the Raptors NBA Finals run was like second to the Canucks 2011 run in terms of business it did for their mm-hmm. bars with watch parties. I, I think we're at the stage now with the Raptors where you're starting to see them in the infancy of what Blue Jays fans were in the mid nineties that you effectively have a little bit of a Canada's team buzz going on because of the championship. Look, it's been long enough since the Grizzlies that I think a, a lot of people have moved on B a lot of people are just too young to have remembered the Grizzlies. So I, I, I think you have a small scale Canada's team support coast to coast going on for the Raptors, even if they're crappy, uh, much like we see with the Blue Jays and have seen with the Blue Jays for the better part of 30 years. Yeah, I don't even think it's necessarily small scale. I think it, it might be a bit generational. I think, you, you know, people in their teenagers and people in their 20s and probably people, a lot of people in their 30s, probably a little bit as well. I mean, they don't really remember the Grizzlies, right? Like that's not that that whole that yeah. whole sourness is is gone. And, and I think that young people tended to, you know, gravitate to the NBA a little bit more. And and the Raptors are yeah. their team, you know, that you turn on the television, like every Raptors game is on TV and they've had good teams in the last decade. Uh, so I think that that's I, I think I, there's, there's probably a little bit of um, parallel to, to infancy of the of the Jays, like you say. Um, but yeah, the, the Raptors are a big deal coast to coast and, and they're a big deal in Vancouver as well. And I think, you know, how, I know there's, you know, there's some anti anti Toronto people that will hate the Raptors forever. And that's sure. fine. But, yeah. And oh, Jays yeah. too. <laughs> we hear that too. Yeah. But I, I yeah. think that mm-hmm. coming to Vancouver and and playing these games and, and throwing, you know, the West coast of bone, like, like they have, um, has been, is, is really important in, in building that fan base up in, in, uh, on this side of the country. It, if Absolutely. only, if only BC no plays could house baseball, cause I bet you the Jays would do that too, especially with the affiliate yeah. out here as well. Oh, like if it was I, a plug and play that you could just come on and play hey, a couple of games here, I'm sure they would. I, uh, I know Andy Dunn and this Canadians have talked about amongst themselves uh, that Blue Jays, remember they used to do the preseason game in Montreal yeah. before starting the season? Yeah. Having them come play at the Nat, if you can get the field in good condition and if the Jays are starting on the West Coast. I mean, as it stands, Blue Jays games typically do a lot better than Raptors games on television. But as Rob notes, it's somewhat generational. So a lot of those young people could be watching the Raptors games, not necessarily on basic cable. The uh, events that I am uh, awaiting on the Raptors is a Canadian invasion of the Rose Garden in <laughs> Portland. If we can, if, if if Canadian Raptors fans turn the Rose Garden into ACC West 
if you will, then we will have a direct comparison. Sonics will be there soon. Day. Sonics will kind of yeah. are, are a couple of years away, so they yep. do that yep. too. Yeah, uh, marvelous stuff, Rob Williams. Uh, fantastic discussion today. Thanks for this. We'll catch Anytime. up next Thursday. Oh, to the people. To the people. We, let's, yes. let's go to those people, shall we? Have to go to the people. I miss the people there. It's been a long, frustrating time for people here. To the people we go. It's a Carson Price from Wall Center presentation. Applewood Auto Group. To the people we go. Brought to you by Jason Hominick of Jason.Mortgage. Here's the thing. Jason, he doesn't just do residential mortgages. He does commercial mortgages, too. If you're a business owner looking to buy your building, a builder, developer, looking for options beyond your bank? Get Jason's expert opinion. Find him at Jason. Got mortgage. Okay, we're being taken to task here by David, and perhaps rightfully so, because we didn't distinguish. You ask, who is the greatest NHL player to play for the Vancouver Canucks? Many people would vote Mark Messier, but of course, no one here would vote Mark Messier. David, just listening to today's podcast, you said Ryan Gold may be the all-time best Vancouver Whitecap. Even if you just go with the current incarnation, the MLS version, they did have Alfonso Davies. And the original Whitecaps had Peter Beardsley. So it's really hard to think Gold is the same level as them. One has won Champions League. The other has captained England. I guess it would be the best Whitecaps career. Yeah, that's David. what we were missing. Yeah. Uh, and in its MLS incarnation, for Galt. If if others want to argue uh, the Whitecaps of yesteryear, so be it. Fair enough. Davies is certainly the best player to come through here in the MLS incarnation. Mm-hmm. Of course, it wasn't a particularly long period of time. Although I am surprised as they look back. What do you think goals and assists was the best season for Alfonso Davies in a Whitecaps? Well, I, I'm just trying to think of how many games he would have played here like I'm gonna guess it's in the vicinity of like thirty to forty. No, he played sixty five. Was it that many? It was okay. two full seasons, and part. And he started uh, halfway through the year in twenty sixteen. Then he played right. two full seasons, but his uh, first full season he only started nine. He only yeah. had one season of starting virtually every game. He started twenty seven matches in twenty eighteen. Um, and that was his his best year. Needless to say, the first year he only had one assist of a full season. What do you think his first full season with 27 starts produced? Uh, I'm going to say six goals, nine assists. Uh, And and even that would have seemed a little bit high to my gut. Yeah. Eight goals, 11 assists. Wow. Like it was a really good year. It was a really good year. So fair shout, David. Uh, We didn't specify. Tell me I'm wrong. Way too much Mariners talk this last week or so. May well be. I, I'm trying to give equal or somewhat equal time here to all the M's fans that listen to us. There's a lot of M's fans. Come on. And frankly, they've been the to me the more the bigger story here. You know this better than week. me. You know this better than me. In Chicago sports radio, do they split the time talking to the Cubs Hell and the White no. White Sox? Hell or, no. But is there a Cubs station and a White Sox? I know yes, obviously rights there, there is. is, but yeah. but in terms of like, do you oh. do you? You turn it's into cubbies. one. It's cubbies, cubbies, cubbies. And if the White Sox happen to be doing well, then they talk White Sox. Like there's a famous uh, article of a few years back. I forget it was the Trib or the, or the Sun Times, where they list all of Chicago's like recent championships and omit the White Sox World Series mm-hmm. win. Like even sports people in Chicago forgot. Oh yeah, they won a World Series once upon a time. More uh, Blue Jays talk, Matthew. Well, uh, we've covered their trades. 
I don't know what else you want us to say. Uh, Bichette, it's not as serious as it looked, but he's on the IL. They but, failed to get that power. Good win last night. Bat. Good win last night, though. That's a one-one game in the late stages where Baltimore has been lights out. One-run games, late innings games. Baltimore has been exceptional this year. So very good win last night. And they actually brought home for the runners Blues. on base. Yeah, exactly. Chuck in Vancouver, back to Seattle. Tell me I'm wrong. Everyone who was asking why Seattle took two running backs in the draft three months ago got their answer in the first yeah. week of training. Camp. Honestly, they can never keep running backs healthy there. Like since Marshawn Lynch, who was an absolute truck, and boy, was he reliable. They have not been able to keep running backs. Can't even healthy. blame it on the rain. We're not even in the rainy season yet. Nobody's mm-hmm. slipping on wet grass here. Like, Leaf, really surprised to hear the Matthew J. Sakaris scholarship isn't based on lectures and or attendance. <laughs> That's true. Perfect attendance. Well, and and the right amount of condescension. Student, no. To remain a student in good standing at Carleton, you do have to attend class, not to yeah. mention remain a varsity athlete. You have to be a student in, in good standing. So, you, you, I you mean, think, attendance is implied, Leaf. I don't know what to tell you. They don't keep track of attendance in You're university. a smart guy. Exactly. God, errors and omissions on Leaf. If you can pass not the course without work. attending, you still pass the course. Mm-hmm. Trust me. I know. Mm-hmm. I tested the boundaries of that. Although he is onto something with lectures. I may sponsor a lecture series coming on up. Yeah. On wingspan, of course. And lecture, not so much in the quality of said lecture, just that you're lecturing. You want to be lecturing. I love it. We branch out from journalism and mass comm. We bring the science department into it, and we have their professors speak on the benefits of wingspan in professional sports. You can use the varsity athletes as examples. Done and done. Exhibits. Tyler with an interesting uh, one here. Response to Matt on the CSA. Uh, and both of you are on ease and O's. It's not the CSA anymore. It's just Canada soccer. I know. Both teams have complained that they have not gotten enough support from the CSA, but the teams have threatened job action when they could have gotten prep time. Exhibit A, men's team cancels game late in Vancouver, costing the CSA large sums of money that could have been better used on youth development. Abs- he's right. I mean, we can tackle the, the response, but I want to tackle just the fact that Tyler has this, and I've seen this a lot, and this is the risk. Anytime there's a labor stoppage in any in any realm... You do risk, and obviously you have to look out for number one as the worker. Um, you're, you're, you're thinking about putting food on your own table. But you also do want to walk the fine line to public support. And I think the players on both of these teams are now risking losing yes. public support by the manner in which they've gone about things. I agree, because at the end of the day, Joe and Joanne Public doesn't want to hear about the problems of professional athletes. No. See these hear, ones because most of they, these are they millionaires. Don't hear, yeah, they don't want to hear wine. No, they don't want to hear that it isn't a first class ticket to Australia. Yeah. So you're right, and the men's team, of course, took the most extreme step that they could. They refused to play. The show did not go on that night at BC Place. So. I think there are some that are with them because the CSA Canada soccer has been a boogeyman in the past, but I think you're right, particularly with a skilled communicator like Charmaine Crooks at the top who really hasn't started communicating, right? She's still so new in the job. When she steps out to a more public facing um, side of her job, 
then you're going to have people with a lot of material from the Canada soccer side to evaluate alongside all these complaints from players and the stories from Rick Westhead. I love this from Adam, the former Bath guy. The Edmonton Oilers will win a game at Commonwealth before the Elks. An unbelievable one. Do they have one scheduled for this uh, upcoming season at Commonwealth? There is a Heritage Classic this year, isn't there? I believe there is. Um, yeah. Yeah. But even if it's October not- October 29th. It's early in the wow, season, too. Wow, it's coming up. Oh, my God. Well done, Adam. That's sizzling here. Oilers and flames. I mean, I haven't heard it before. Yeah. It has just got to be oh, a sizzle. It's absolute sizzle. But it's actually kind of embarrassing of that nobody's done it. It's like that. Like that's that's on, on a tee. Absolutely. That's not only bacon. That's like a whole hog yeah. there roast. Yeah, that's a, that, that's a pig on a spit right there for sure. Jason and Cloverdale, the running back market problem is really about how the NFL. The league that makes more money than any other North American sport can't fully guarantee its players' contracts, and I believe this to be the real problem. Uh, tell me I'm wrong. I'd say right, so right, Mayor of Wrightville, right. But it's a very good take. I'm going to sizzle this one as well. I'm going to go hot because I, the, I think the, people – sorry, yeah, hot because I think people have seen this for a while. Well, the, the one thing I'll say in defense of NFL teams, not that you know their owners need any defending on opening their pocketbook, but it is the biggest roster by far. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why there has been a hesitation to guaranteed contracts in the past, also because it just saves them money. Grady, break the tie. I'll go hot. I've heard it before. Hot, hot, hot. Coach Mark, tell me I'm wrong, but I think Pedersen will only sign a two-year extension to see if the Canucks actually become a contender or not. If they don't, he will not resign with the Canucks. I'll tell you you're wrong, Mark. Two years buys out only one unrestricted free agent year. I'm not sure that's a deal the Vancouver Canucks do. I mean, gun to their head, no other option, maybe. But I would think that Alvin and Rutherford are skilled enough to at least get like a three-year deal there and Completely. get a couple of years of UFA, uh, of unrestricted free agency bought out. I I, Harmon Dial was doing a deeper dive on this, and he, he had executives telling him that it, you know people would be advising. These are other executives, un, anonymous yeah. ones, saying if, they, if they're Pedersen, they go after a short-term deal here. Um, but I don't think it's two years. Yeah. Yeah. Rick and Burnaby, the hot take master. Christine will be the coach in the next World Cup for Canada. I don't know if she wants to coach. No. I don't see her as that. Obviously qualified, you know, potentially uh, with a little bit of a, an apprenticeship needed. Mm-hmm. But um, I, yeah, I don't see that as her. But yeah, I'll, I mean, it's a little on the nose, as Blake would say. And this is the hot take master. So, frankly, I'm going Luke. I'm sorry, Rick. You're graded on a scale here. I'll go hot. Grady? Hot, hot, hot. Sam, I'm getting tired of Matt disrespecting Crosby and Malkin. He never mentions them when talking about Rutherford's Penn's Cups. Like a top five player ever and another top three of his era. No disrespect to Patterson, but he's not close to Crosby. And Miller is just LOL. Then look at Rutherford's moves from then on. All pretty bad. So Sam's saying that Rutherford I shouldn't just, get credit for the Cups because I he guess. had a, an inordinate amount of superstar power. I guess. I mean, we have mentioned it, I, you know, over the year and a half. 
I don't know how you don't been here it, that you that, have definitely yeah. mentioned it as but someone who's perhaps edited not, your welcome mats. You have yeah. definitely. Yeah. I guess I'm not mentioning it enough for it Sam. It sounds like right. Sam wants to fully discount Rutherford, and we haven't fully well, discounted Rutherford in the cups. Yeah. And I don't he think that's fair to. He fully didn't discount. draft that core, so you know you <laughs> could always go like how people didn't want to <laughs> credit Gillis because he wasn't the right. ones that brought in Sadines and Wongo, right? Uh, here's a response to Frankie Corrado's interview from Skoll, as in the chewing tobacco, not the Vikings fight chant. Canucks should be better than Montreal, Calgary, and maybe the Jets. One or two injuries and they're done and they won't make the playoffs anyways. They're a team that'll battle for 7th to 12th in the conference and not make the playoffs and not help the future with middle, he means middle round, picks. It's possible. It's a risk. It's a risk. I mean, we've played this game before. Come on. Yeah. Uh, where are we going here? John Shannon on YouTube. Mm-hmm. If, if This is from uh, a long username. I'm not going with it. If this team can't realistically contend, let alone win a cup before Demko's contract is up, then he should be traded ASAP. No reason to hold on to an asset who isn't going to be a part of the ultimate goal. I can hear that, but also... That's easier you said want than your, You also want your players that you do believe in, that you do believe will be around long enough mm-hmm. for that moment... To develop new yeah. uh, skills that is playing in important games in March. Yeah. And this is so, in the vein of can the Canucks contend over the next three years, which was the S versus P debate last week with Patterson. Mm-hmm. Three more years for Demko. You know they're not a cup contender this year. So he heaps a lot of pressure on the next two, knowing he'll be UFA 26-27. I hear what the listener is saying, but that's a lot easier said than done. I mean, the Canucks are not going to be so defeatist as to swear off the two seasons beyond this one for cup contention. And in fact, uh, I'm not even sure if they finish dead last this year, they would be that defeatist because that's just not the MO of this ownership group. And Demko doesn't strike me as the type of guy that will want to stay around if they don't figure this out Mm -hmm. quickly here. Chris, on the Kevin Woodley interview, this is why I'm concerned about giving Silas the backup job. If you want Demko restricted to 50-55 games so he doesn't get injured, is Silas ready to make 30 quality starts? I don't know. And since the cap space from OEL burned a hole in the pocket, they need to free up space anyways. May well be an in-season thing, Chris. But they just do not have the luxury to go out and spend on a Yarrow Halak-style backup NHL goaltender right now. They have two stop gaps in Martin and Sachenko with mm-hmm. NHL experience that can fill in. You yo-yo still loves mm-hmm. up and down from Abby. On uh, the Pedersen versus Aho comparison, Klinker says, Sakaris is basically an agitator, whether naturally or by design. <laughs> if by design, he's not the first in the Vancouver market. Before him, there was Neil McRae, Tony Gallagher, Dave Pratt. Churn. It's all about the churn. Quite the company he put you with. I was going to say, thank you for putting me in He meant it as an insult, I think. Mm. uh, Oh, badge of honor. Badge of honor. Michael on uh, the Sven Berchi retirement said, I remember you don't lose your spot on the roster to injury unless you're Sven Berchi. Mm -hmm. Always liked the guy and thought he deserved a better chance at a road back to the main roster. I thought they gave up awfully quick on Sven Berchi as well, given how young Mm -hmm. he was still when they did give up on him. I'll take you back to the last two fullish seasons that he played. Now, he was injury riddled even before the concussion. But the last two seasons that he played, 53 games in 17-18, 26 games in 18-19. He had, so that's uh, 79 games, 23 goals, 
43 points in those 79 games. That production keeps you in the NHL for a long, long time. And for some reason, six games in 1920 with the Canucks was enough to convince the Canucks that he wasn't going to stick around. I was always a little bit miffed at that on Berchie's behalf that his his rate of return in the previous 79 games was fully NHL ready. And it, they only looked at him for six games in 1920 and made a decision that he wasn't going to be a part of the plans. I That was peculiar to me. We're joined now by the sporting director and CEO of Vancouver Whitecaps FC. And Blake, I think you have to go a long ways back in Vancouver sporting history to find a player acquisition deadline, trade deadline, where any man or any team has been this successful. Richie Larea, Sam Atacube, and four youngsters coming into the Whitecaps program. And Axel Schuster delivered them all here in what has been uh, quite a surprise, quite a gift for Caps fans going into this Friday League's Cup match against Tigra. Air Schuster, welcome back to the program. Nice to hear your voice. Nice to see you again, my friend. Hey, hello, and thanks for having me. It was uh, it was a surprise for a lot of us. We, we thought you'd be looking for a Julian Gressel replacement, either in position or in quality. Did I mean, how confident were you that you're going to pull in two? I, I actually... You know, I always put the bar high for every for myself, for everyone in this organization. And I think uh, in the press conference or the media availability uh, after Julian left, I said um, we had to do it. F- and I explained why we had to do it. And I said, but the deal also was very good for us and gave us enough uh, um, um, space, let me say this way, to, to now make out of Julian two players. I actually said it already there. I said, we are not going to replace Julian with one Julian. We want to, we want to use all this, uh, acquisition, uh, money that we have to, to go and, and improve the team in different areas. And I was hopeful at that time. Um, but that it really at the end was that successful because I was hopeful that we would get this done within the next six months and that was actually what I said that we got everything done in this window is uh yeah was was great Axel for a lot of cap supporters repatriating Ed Kube would sort of be like writing a wrong to see how marvelously he has flourished since leaving the club did any of that factor into your pursuit or your thinking or was he simply just a good player at a player of need and that's why he's back with the caps no I actually we we are um, doing things in a certain way here and we also continue to build on young players that we want to develop young players also from 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 outside of our market but also young canadians and um it was with julian leaving we also lost a leader somebody who is good in the locker room somebody young players or new acquisitions can can look at and and can learn from so it was also important to get guys into the team um a team that is working very well that can give some else other than than the on-pitch performance and uh so i think the same player the same profile with the same qualities but it would not be sam would maybe not have attracted us so much 
What do you like about the skill set of of these two players? Um, both of them have pretty good pace, strong. Um, what's what's your favorite part of these two players on the pitch? That they are the perfect fit for what we are doing here. We 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 are speaking about that consistently, and I'm so happy that that it also proves it that we can prove it on the pitch. Now we want to have a team where the eleven players together work in a way that we can create problems for everyone. And it doesn't matter how good the team is and how many stars they have on the pitch and how much money they spent and uh, what they have uh, achieved in last season and winning CONCACAF Champions Leagues. Um, our 11 players work together better than, than uh, 11 players on, in, on, on other teams. So, and those two are exactly that. They are, have high quality and they have proven that in our league, outside of our league, in, in very good other leagues. And at the same time, they are humbled guys that put in the work that is necessary to be successful. They are leading on the pitch also by example with their work ethic, like our DPs do, like Ryan Gold does, like, like um, Andres Kubas does. And so they are a perfect fit here. And on top of that, they both have, have character, they both have uh, personality, they also keep their head up in, in difficult moments and, and can lead a team in, in difficult moments on the pitch and, and have a voice and are outspoken in the locker room. Um, so I think that's the, that makes them the perfect profiles and I don't want to mix them up. They are different profiles and they're not both the same, only playing on different sides. But um, I would say that's the things they have in common. The uh, fans have often thought that ownership was a, a stumbling block in, in bringing in um, bigger name players, more expensive players. Um, I mean, th- th- this, is, this has been an investment too, an investment day as well. Neither one of these players is going to come terribly cheap. Did you have to ask for any special dispensation to go after these players to spend this money? No, I, I, I think that's also part of my job to explain people that there are wrong uh, narratives out in in this world, and maybe I don't know about the past, and I haven't been here in the past, and I like I don't like the rear view mirror. I look through the windshield. Um, I can say that they are complete. They really completely support all our owners. Completely support uh, the the development path on that we are here. Also support every single step that we do. They haven't been in the way ever with all our decisions. And um, we have, and they have done huge, huge commitments in, in investments. And I, I, I want to say that we, we have bought a 19-year-old Pedro Vita for 3.5 million from a minor league because we all believe, had the belief that he can grow and become a, a key player in this league. And, and they were up for that. And I think that was probably at that time a bigger bet than some of the investments other clubs are doing on on players that are already proven and already elder. But to make that all successful, you also need a few experienced guys uh, on the pitch that lead such young guys. And for that, it was a very reasonable and full support by ownership, full support itself to to also do investments in Canadian national team players and bring them back. The... uh Players you bring in, you could see working with a three at the back or four at the back, which Vanny are, are two of Vanny's favorite uh, formations. W- was that conscious to to know that these two players would fit into the two formations? Yeah, um, actually, that was that was what we were hoping for to 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 get done in this in this transfer period because uh, with leaving with Julian leaving, we felt comfortable that we don't need to replace uh, um, Julian's 
position in the central midfield. I think with um, Pedro Vita that I just mentioned, who I just mentioned, uh, playing so well in the eight position, plus Ali Ahmed, who before his injury played very well in the eight position as well. We have alternative options that, that have proven that they are above, above average players in this league and can help us to succeed. So it was to Actually, it was actually what we wanted to do to give Vanny more flexibility for his systems and to strengthen our outside uh, wide players' options. And um, with that, both players can play fullback, both players can play, play wingback. We are now a team that, that can switch and, and Vanny can adjust to the situations, uh, to the opponents, but also to the situations that come up during, during a game and gives him maximum flexibility, yes. Axel, I wanted to ask you about one of these four young players that have signed 19-year-old center back Dembo Khan from Steve Biko FC in Gambia. Uh, the reports are you beat out Rangers, poor Colin Miller, uh, Southampton, Toulouse, and some other big European clubs for his services. How excited are you about him? And uh, what do you think it says that he decided to go with Vancouver as opposed to some of these other sides? I'm I'm super excited and I'm super happy that we could convince him um, to do the step and to come here. Um, it's true. He had a lot of other options to go into into second teams and academies at big clubs, and I think it's also part of what we are doing here. Um, we are the club that has uh, given more uh, MLS contracts to former MLS Next Pro second team players than everyone else. Um, we we have. We are always calling players up. Our two teams work very closely together. Just yesterday, both teams were training together on the same pitch. And we we have now more and more proof and can use that to, to convince such guys that the step here, it's, it's, very, it's a very small step from a second team to a first team. And um, you get here real chances. Uh, our coaching staff, the whole club is supporting to play young players and to give them a chance. And um, we will continue to do this. And, and the, this is the one yeah. thing those guys are looking for. They are not looking for the biggest contract now. They are looking for uh, what is the right next step to get to the big stage. And with having so many young players that have done it here, and we just saw GC playing in the in the last two uh, League Cups games very well, and 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 another guy that is now doing the next step. Um, we can convince those guys to come here and to do the next step here. And I think to acquire a U20 World Cup player who has played very successful as a centre back against some of the biggest nations in the world, um, and and to to. Yeah, outbid some of the European clubs because he believes he is the better next step for him. Uh, it's also telling yeah. something about the club. Fantastic, sir. Uh, last question. How do you like your chances tomorrow? You know, um, I, I actually said we have to be a little bit careful with all the excitement that we have created yesterday. Um, I said <laughs> yesterday evening very late. I was speaking <laughs> with Venny and said, uh, Sam is done. And said, and now we go back to work. There's a game on Friday, and none of our yeah. new acquisitions will help us on Friday. And that's not a problem because the team has performed very well without any new additions. Uh, I think we have played last Friday an amazing game against one of the best teams in in North America. Um, and and I think um, it's it's exactly what we have to do again. We we have to bring our best soccer onto the pitch. We have to work better together than than ever before. 
and then we have to be best prepared and and we need the support of our of our fans last friday was also special uh, i have to say i have not seen the stadium that livelly since uh, since covid broke out it was also a factor the players have spoken about that um, to to have that support and getting that push is is important and i hope that uh, all the people are coming back plus a few more that are getting excited about our club yeah. and and help us to to get another result tomorrow it's uh it's been a great show all year uh from whitecaps fc and it continues tomorrow 7:30 against mexican side tigres in the knockout stage of league's cup and then of course a most interesting mls season with the caps in the thick of it and now adding all this talent axel thanks for the time here congratulations we'll catch up soon Thank you once again. Sick Harrison Price from Wall Center Presentation Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. Errors and omissions from yesterday's program. Yes. No. And a clean sheet for Maddie here. But mm. Blake, and I've, we've all done it many times, Richie Larea signing with the Caps, not the Canucks. The inbox was lighting up. <laughs> lighting he's, not, he's not playing for Telling the Canucks? You, he's the Alex Burrows of the Caps. Well, they're, they are winger heavy, yeah. right, the Canucks, so they don't need enough. <laughs> hey, Caps are now winger heavy after Larea and Atacube. Um, Telling you, he's the Alex Burrows uh, style player that the Caps sorely need. What else, Grady? I used the wrong do, do versus do in a tweet. and Like D-U-E? You spelt yes. it D-O? And I actually had Googled this before, and oh. I was talking about it with my dad yesterday. And sure enough, when I go to po- compose the tweet, I still spell it the wrong way. Ah. And mm. I'm not deleting the tweet either. It's going to live forever. People can publicly oh. shame me. Rebel. We had real Don Elliott tweeting at us. So thank you, Don, keeping me on my toes. Bodog line of the daytime with Blake Price. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, sports odds. Who you like, what you got. Going back to the uh, Caps and Tigris tomorrow at BC Play Stadium. Mm -hmm. Uh, He scored there last time Tigris was in town. Andre Pierre Gignac, the former French international, um, plus 135 for him to make it two visits in a row with a goal to BC Place. Très bien on your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder to subscribe to us and Rankwide wherever you get your podcasts. And then follow us on all those social media platforms, Twitter, Insta, YouTube, TikTok, and Facebook. And, of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local. <laughs>